Welcome to the Jack and John podcast. I'm Jack. And I'm John. And we're on a mission to help you focus on Christ. You know, sometimes I think folks get a little comfortable, a little satisfied with where they are. But uh, the question we want to raise today is, how satisfied are you in your spiritual life? Um, and I even hesitate to say that phrase, spiritual mm-hmm. life. Mm-hmm. I don't like the idea that we compartmentalize. Um, because folks will say, oh, my, my church life, my yeah, Christian yeah, yeah. walk, you know, my spiritual life. It's all one life. It all should be your life. You got yeah. one life. Yeah. So how satisfied or dissatisfied But sometimes we focus you? in more on some aspect. Right. I guess maybe right. of our life. And then when you, when you focus off of Christ and that personal walk that you're in the midst of, or the Holy Spirit who is working within you, uh, I, I guess something can kind of malfunction there. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what exactly is going on there, but I think it can kind of malfunction and you sort of wind up not having the joy or salvation or something, or, you know, you just, I don't know. I don't know what comes. But uh, it's like the ebbs and flows, the ups and downs of the Christian walk. I don't know. And uh, I've always asked myself the question, how much does it depend upon me? How much does it depend upon God? I know I have a part in it. You know, there's God, God's part, there's my part, and all those kind of things, and you can drive yourself nuts doing it. But, um, yeah, so how satisfied are you? How dissatisfied are you? How, how, how are things going? That's the question in your spiritual life or in, in your life. Let's just right. say your life. In your life. In your life. Because if the spiritual life is right, then typically things are going to yeah. kind of flow into, into order. So. We often look at the Bible as though there's this dichotomy between Old Testament, New Testament. Um, you know, you're under the law, you're under grace. Um, and I think God had a bigger picture in mind than that because they go together. And uh, Jack and I came up with a similar idea for what we wanted to talk about today. And it was very interesting because the two worlds that collide here are he's looking at the the letter to the Romans and I'm looking at Leviticus and I tell you it just felt weird to me that the whole idea of talking about our spiritual life and our grace and how to find satisfaction in your life in God Leviticus isn't the place I would look. You know, there's some good little <laughs> verses that pop out at you, but if you take the whole oh, as a whole, there there are two things. <laughs> there are two things that I want to point out uh, from this, and then we're going to bring it bring it together and and hopefully make some sense out of it. Um, but you know, the verse that popped up, it was you know one of those verse of the day things. I, I do the Bible gotcha. gate, Bible Gateway app, and the verse of the day was was from uh, Leviticus 19, and actually Jesus quotes that verse mm-hmm. um, or part of that verse uh, when he says, "Love your neighbor as yourself." That actually comes out of Leviticus. Now, Leviticus, when I was growing up, this was the part of the Bible that you read if you're having trouble going to sleep because <laughs> you'll fall asleep That's in about right. three verses. So, but I, I do what I do a lot of the times, and that is I go to the chapter um, and not just look at that verse. And then I, I like to do this funny little exercise, and maybe you can try this, but I'll read where I am, and then I'll go backwards through the text. 
Yeah, nobody else does nobody that. Nobody else does no. that. <laughs> but but, but you, you come up with some interesting ideas yeah. when, you, when you do it this way. The thing I'm noticing through that whole chapter of Leviticus 19, and it starts even in, in 18, is... Um, they introduce a little passage about, you know, here's the stuff that you need to do. Like, here's the rules or the guidelines for life, whatever, whatever you want to call it. And then the phrase always ends with, I am the Lord, your God. Hmm. And the interesting piece of that is that's our English translation. Um, but one of the little exercises I like to do with this is I'll switch translations and I'll go to the names of God translation. Okay. Now they don't always translate all of the verses as well as some of the others, but it puts the name of God that's in there in place of the translation that we have. So instead of saying, um, I am the Lord, your God, well, it'll say, I am Yahweh, your Elohim. Okay. And the interesting piece about the phrase when it says, I am the Lord, is the same phrase that God uses when he's talking to Moses. You know, and Moses is asking, hey, who, who do I tell him sent me? And uh, he says, I am. And then he says, you can call me Yahweh, basically. So uh, the I am is, isn't exactly Yahweh. It's it. it <laughs> Not trying to get fancy, but I think the Hebrew is Echieh, which just means I am. And then we say Yahweh, which means, yeah, you are. You know, <laughs> you're the one who is. The, and, uh, and that gets translated, the Lord um, is how we translate it. But I'm just going to read this verse that popped out to me. And, and then we'll back up and talk about Romans and how all this comes together. Um so Leviticus 18 and verse 5, if you obey my decrees and my regulations, you will find life through them. I am the Lord. Um, and I think so many times when people think of the law, we like to call it the law um, or the rules, they think of it sort of like punitive. And, and I don't think God gave the his rules to his children because he wanted it to be punitive, but he wanted to protect them. It's kind of like telling your kids, look both ways before you cross the road. You know, uh, make sure you got your keys before you lock the door. Um, just the little things. But we have a tendency to turn it into what's that phrase that some use therapeutic moralistic deism <laughs> you know it's it, it's a list of rules do's and don'ts and that's not what it is well read the verse again yeah because i, I want to hear that again if you obey my decrees and my regulations you will find life through them you'll find life so that's very positive yeah to me i mean and when i read it when you sent that to me yeah it gave me a really, really good feeling, yeah. you know, that you will have life through them. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm afraid that uh, I have another question. Uh, the question is, how strong is the reality of God in your life? Is, is God real to you? And what I'm saying is this. When Jesus walked the earth, um, he did a lot of miracles. And 
God performed a lot of miracles in the Old Testament. So the Old Testament, New Testament, there's filled with, with miracles. And I'm afraid that we have settled for a miraculous life. Not miraculous, miraculous life. Right. Um, in other words, our, it seems to me, okay, now I'm not saying that everybody is in this category, everybody's like this, but it seems to me that a lot of us Christians, we Christians, um, our faith is a past tense faith. In other words, it's pretty easy to believe by faith the historical things that Jesus did and the things we read in the scriptures. How easy is it to have faith that God still works, mm -hmm. that Jesus still performs miracles? And do we see them? Are we paying attention? I mean, I could probably tell you a lot of things that happened while I traveled, for instance, uh, that I chalked up as a miracle. You might say coincidence or whatever you want to say. But um, when you're traveling as much as we travel, driving as much as we dr drove in the middle of the night, those kinds of things, uh, there was one time I can remember losing 30 minutes, having driven 30 minutes sound asleep sound asleep and and my my nephew my my brother-in-law actually woke me up he said jack you were your, your eyes were wide open and you were sound asleep and uh you know so angels i don't know miracles whatever i know that one time in the cold of winter we lost uh, power in our van and a first car that drove by stopped jumped us we drove from central illinois to o'fallon missouri went to a mechanic and he said your alternator's dead, so is your battery. How'd you get here? Well, we drove. When did you drive? Last night. No, you didn't. Because an alternator charges a battery and a, both of these are, no, you can't do that. Okay, chalk that up. Uh, and I, I'm not trying to be weird here. I'm just saying that I think on a daily basis, God is active and involved in our life if we have a personal relationship with him. And yet what we've done is we've relegated him to like a first century God or even an Old Testament God. For instance, take Ezekiel. You know, Ezekiel had a pretty big challenge against what? How many prophets of Baal? Oh, right. You know, and uh, he told them, you call down your God on I'm this. About Elijah. Elijah, not Ezekiel. Sorry, yeah, it's an know. E word. Yeah, uh, one of those, <laughs> E prophets. Yeah, E prophets. Uh, yeah, Elijah. Uh, he, um, yeah, get you know, call down fire. And they, they tried and they tried nothing. He douses his wood with water, prays a prayer and fire shoots out of heaven and calls it, catches it on fire. And those kinds of things happened to the prophet. Those things happened all the time. Uh, wouldn't you like to have been there when he fed the 5,000? Wouldn't you like to have seen that happen? I think the chosen kind of put drama to that and it was pretty exciting and fun to watch drama put to that it's kind of like how i imagined it you know just all of a sudden you open up a basket and it's full you know and then you take it to jesus and he, it's full again it's full again or i would love to have been there when he healed the man born blind that was a a great contest not a contest but a kind of a conflict that he had with the pharisees when they brought him into the synagogue and they questioned him about being healed by Jesus. And they said, you can't see because no one who's ever been born blind has ever been healed from blindness. But he's looking right at them. But they're saying, you can't see. They were insistent 
that Jesus could not perform miracles and they couldn't even see it, I don't think. <laughs> but he's right before them. If we could see those kinds of things, then we could see and we could hear and we could touch him and there would be a reality to Jesus. But we can't see him because he's not here in the flesh. We can't see those miracles anymore. Not like that. And yet he sent his Holy Spirit to enlighten us, to empower us, to enliven us, to uh, direct us, to lead us, uh, to do all of these things in our life, to have the fruit of the Spirit grow in our life. And all of these things are supposed to be happening, and yet our relationship with God gets drab and boring and lifeless. It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense that that would happen. And so I'm not saying that, you know, I see miraculous meals being multiplied. But I think that if you pay attention in your life, you will see amazing things. As a matter of fact, I think that that was an amazing thing. And you all may not understand this, but John was saying, what do you want to talk about? I've been writing the way this is going to end. And when you sent that Jeremiah thing, I went, okay, that's the exact topic that I was really writing on was exactly what you said, the life so cool. in the Spirit, life in the Spirit yeah. through God. So those things are just, to me, not coincidences. Right. That's God being active in our lives. What would happen if your building shook this week when you went to church like it did in Acts chapter 4? What would happen? What would happen if fire came down from heaven? And I, I don't think people would be standing with their hands folded. <laughs> I don't know. their arms crossed. Yeah, th this Sunday, I, I don't like sitting in the back. <laughs> I don't like sitting in the back. But we, we just, we got to church like right before it started. And and uh, so rather than climb over people and, yeah. you know, find our way down there, it's like we just, we slipped into this back row, okay? And, and here's part of why I don't like sitting at the back. Because I want to be focused on, you know, the, the sermon, the, the worship, and I don't want to be distracted by all of the other folks and what they're doing or not doing, okay? And so we're, we're standing behind these two guys. And they, they were singing, okay, to their credit. I could see their lips moving. I, I, I couldn't hear <laughs> Probably, it. Probably, praise I, the Lord, I mean, you couldn't I, hear them. I couldn't hear anything coming out. <laughs> but I did see their lips moving. But they're both just as still as statues. And, you know, the the older guy that's probably the dad, he's got his arms crossed. And the younger kid's got his hands in his pockets. And, I mean, they're, they're singing the songs. Maybe they're feeling it in their hearts, their minds. I'm not saying that they're not, but for me, it's, it's sort of like when dance music comes on, you can't stay in How can you hold still? You know, it, it's, it's like, I, I, maybe I'm that little kid with ADD or something, but I've got to wiggle. I've got to do something. <laughs> you know I mean? And, and when we're singing songs of, of worship, um, I, I got to believe what I'm singing and I'm singing it to God. And it's pretty exciting. And, 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 to, and to me it is. And, and again, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it to judge those folks. I'm not. But it's like maybe our life needs to show what's going on inside well, in some yeah, respects. And, and we're saying this hopefully as a help. Yeah, I, I don't want to scold anybody. And I, no. you know, I try to be careful not to be mean-spirited in any of this kind of thing. But I think that we've grown indifferent to the miraculous. Yeah. Just indifferent to it. It's yeah. like, 
we don't want to see that. It, really. Well, you know? the other piece of it is, I think sometimes people get a little um, numb to it or um, they've lost that expectancy um, or maybe they've lost that hope. I think there are some people that just believe God's silent in the miracle department. these Well, days. I'm going to go worse than that. I mean, I believe that. Yeah. I'm not disagreeing with that whatsoever, but I think that we've made God a God that we're comfortable with. Wow. And uh, God isn't, I don't think we would be comfortable with God mm -hmm. if we were in his presence. Right. That's not one feeling that I think we would have. Not, right. that, not that you wouldn't feel loved. Right. But, no. oh, you're in the presence of God. And I don't think that we should make God in our image and make him comfortable no. to us because I don't think that that's... Well, you know, we've talked about it, too. It's like, you know, when Moses sees God in the burning bush, what does he do? He, he looks down. Oh, yeah. He looks down because he's afraid. Okay. What, ha what happens whenever an angel appears to him? We're talking a messenger from God, not God himself necessarily, but a messenger from God appears to a human throughout Scripture. What do they always say? Fear not. Why? Because you're afraid. Be because you're terrified to be in that kind of presence. Revelation chapter 1, John hasn't seen Jesus for a while. <laughs> yeah. And if you think about it, when he ascended, when he left, he was probably the best friend of Jesus. You could probably sure. make that case that John was very close to Jesus. When he sees Jesus in Revelation chapter 1 in his, in his uh, vision of heaven and of Christ, he doesn't run up to him and throw his arms around him and hug him and give right. him a big kiss on the cheek. He falls down on his face as if he's dead. I mean, it's like uh, there is this aspect of worship and holiness and amazement with God. And uh, he's like a, an amazing, amazing God that wants to do so much in us and through us. And sometimes I think what we've done is we've, um, we've grown comfortable with him. And I think that's not a good thing and a good place to be. So where, where I went was in Romans chapter 7. Uh, in Romans chapter 7, and I really want to get to 8, but I want to show you, and I don't want to relegate 7 alone and 8 alone. I want to tie these two together, mm -hmm. you know, so that you don't leave, you know, your thought process in chapter 7. But beginning with verse 18, it says, For I know that nothing good dwells in me, but is in my flesh, that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. That's too I much for me. I if anybody like in the first or second century used that as like a tongue twister. With, <laughs> yeah, that with, is. With, <laughs> say that three and times And I can fast. barely see either. Yeah. So it's like, a, so I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from the body of death? 
Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. Then go on. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus for the law of the spirit of life. Now we're back to your, your Jeremiah, right? No, Layman. Leviticus. Leviticus. Your Leviticus passage. They're, they're both sad lie. and depressing. That's they why, are. That's they really are. That's why, why I'm thinking together. of all of those sad, the depressing. Big in Lamentations, <laughs> Leviticus, <laughs> yeah. you know. That's that I have a mind that's leaving quickly. Um, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ from the law of sin or death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son. Now listen to this. In the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that, ready, the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk, not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And then it goes on and on in chapter eight about life by the spirit. So, John, what I'm saying here is if you follow up with what you were, outside of Jesus Christ, and then what happens to you when he changes you, when he transforms you and puts his spirit within you, there should be such a difference in us. It's unbelievable. People should be going, man, look at that guy. What is with him? I mean, there needs to be some astonishment, I think, when people are looking at Christians and the way they are, the way they live life. That's my point. Right. So I don't want to get to be like the person who doesn't have that astonishment in his walk with Christ. I don't want to get comfortable and I don't want to make God a God that I can be comfortable with. Uh, so I don't think that he's comfortable with me if I'm willing to sit down and, and be satisfied. Never, never satisfied with where I am. But I always want to grow more. Not that, not that I'm not satisfied no, no. in my, you know. know you, you, you see that, that whole thing. So we have this joy, this special joy, and we, we should taste this joy. We've been born again. We've been set free. We're connected to Jesus Christ and the cross, which brings joy, right? The, and so then through the cross, the rules are gone. That's where I am. And we are comers by what Christ has done for us. That should change us. That should make us joyful. Mm -hmm. And that should make us want to share that message because it can happen for anyone. And so comfortable Christians, bored Christians, sourpuss Christians, it just doesn't compute. It, it, those two concepts don't really relate. I think part of what's happening there is like the, the, the two guys I'm talking about, okay? And I don't know this. I don't know this. I, I have no right to say anything about this. But I think sometimes what happens is when we come to church or when we do the stuff or whatever it is, um, it's like this is our churchy duty or this is what I'm supposed to do, or this is a new rule. That and we've it invented. can be the same thing yeah. week after week after it's, week. It's, it, or it's like we've invented a new list of rules, in a sense. You know? And everybody's not thrilled about it. No, and when and when that's what happens, when that's why you're going, oh, it's, it's Sunday morning, we gotta go to church, come on. Oh, what, what service are we going to? When it becomes like that, 
I think that's when we've lost the focus that no, we're not going to satisfy ourselves. We're going because we want to be together with other Christians sharing in the experience of God and experiencing him. We're there to worship him. And I think the problem we get into in our faith is so much we make it about ourselves. Well, sure. Um, That's what's comfortable. Right. And God doesn't really speak. Right. Because that wouldn't be comfortable. When when Jack and I used to sing in the quartet, um, um, in fact, this very early in your ministry when you were at Mount Pleasant, um, we sang that song, Satisfied. Mm-hmm. And just did, I'm satisfied, mm-hmm. satisfied with Jesus. Anyway, it was a great song and it was so much fun because um, we would get carried away, you know, with it. But I looked at my hands. Yeah. My hands looked new. <laughs> I looked at my feet, and they were too. too. Yeah, that's right. Oh, that's my favorite yeah. line. <laughs> and then we would take it up to the stratosphere, and Jack would do the crazy high I could do that. part. Like, oh my goodness! Anyway, so but the point of it was not that we're satisfied in and of ourselves. Right, right, right. No, no, no. Satisfied we're with not. Jesus. We're satisfied with Jesus, but and, not with ourselves. And it's because He is. That living water. Mm-hmm. He is the living water, the bread of life. He's our creator, our sustainer. And guys, again, that's the whole thing with why we do this, because our focus needs to not be on us, not be on a set of rules, needs to be on Jesus. And Jesus says to his disciples, he says, here's your work. The work mm-hmm. for you is this. Believe in me. Mm-hmm. And that's the transformation. Forming power is when we believe in him, okay? But the Bible also says that we're saved by faith and that we live by faith. Right. So that belief is also relegated to your scripture there that says, you know, there's life. It's the belief that changes. Right. That's right. Right, exactly. You want to follow after him. You want to do what he says because you love him, you trust him, you believe in him, not because... You, you want to be a rule follower. No. Yeah. But I think sometimes, and I'm just going to throw this in, sometimes I think people kind of fall and lay on that mm-hmm. uh, to where, oh, yeah. you know, they don't, they don't, I don't know, they don't put into play the fact that not only does he save you and give you grace and give you rest and make you satisfied, but he also enables you uh, to become more right. and to, to do more for him and to... Uh, to uh, be be filled and um, fulfilled, and it's just an amazing. I think it should be an should be an amazing relationship. Oh, yeah. This personal relationship with Christ, and uh, I wrote here um, that the Holy Spirit strengthens us to live out the will of God. And there's your passage again, Leviticus, where it's saying, you know, yeah. the law of God is life. And it is the Holy Spirit now in the New Testament, if you want to be the New Testament guy here, that helps you have that life and live out the Word of God that we study and that we place within our heart. Amen. So, Well, guys, I hope that, uh, you know, we've given you some life in what we've said. 
Um, because, you know, when our hearts are on Christ and when our focus is on Him and then we're drawn to Him and drawn to the things that He wants for us and He's called for us to do, that's when we find life. So. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks so much for joining us. We love you guys. Uh, we wish you all the best and pray God's blessings upon you. It's in Jesus' Amen. name that we're here. Amen. Yeah. We'll see you next time.